This is Over the Ledge. On 98.1 WQAQ. Welcome back into another week, another episode of Over the Ledge on 98.1 WQAQ. I am your co-host, Connor Core, alongside Cameron Lavaster, and we have a special guest in studio today, QBSN Chairman Ross Meglin. Ross, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited. So we're just going to jump right into it, start interviewing you about like what you've been doing at college. You obviously are a senior now, on your yep. way out the doors, and then uh, we'll kind of get into uh, you know the somewhat important event that happened yesterday. <laughs> That's far more exciting yeah. than whatever I have to say. I'll <laughs> tell you that. So I'll start. I'll start it off. So you kind of mentioned this before you came on that you started off not at Quinnipiac as a freshman. Mm-hmm. So what kind of like stood out to you to make you want to come here as a sophomore and now graduating as a senior? Yeah, so Quinnipiac has always been a school for me that that stood out. I probably, in hindsight, is always twenty twenty could should have come here first out of out of high school as a freshman, and obviously I didn't. There was a few minor factors that drew me to Springfield up in Massachusetts, but I quickly realized that I made the wrong decision, and there was really no harm done. I came here right away, and sophomore year I started off in all the student media orgs, WQAQ, QBSN and Q30, and it's been the best three years I could have asked for so far. Uh, obviously, you're pretty heavily involved on campus right now. Can you just kind of talk about your involvement with the organizations and specifically QBSN? Yeah, QBSN is the one that I gravitated towards right away. I Play-by-play broadcasting, color broadcasting is 110% what I want to do with uh, sports media and things like that. So when I came here and saw that there was an organization that provided exactly that, that was a no-brainer. I said I was going all in on that. And, of course, with Q30, I've done a lot of the beat reporting and gone on all the sports shows, some of the news shows and things like that. But there, QBSN always had a different feel for me because it provided exactly what I wanted in sports media. And I've been able to accomplish so much through that with going to big games, broadcasting big games, some uh, basketball games down in Atlantic City. So it's given me so much over the last two years, really, two and a half now, that it's it's lived up to far more than I could have asked for. Yeah, so you said you 110% want to do play-by-play and sports broadcasting. When did you know that you wanted to become a sports broadcaster? Yeah, that's a lot of people have been asking me that actually lately, and it's interesting because I've always had an interest with sports TV and who hasn't who didn't fall in love with ESPN at eight years old yeah. and mm-hmm. watch the top ten plays right before school every morning. That was what everyone in our uh, in our major probably mm-hmm. did in the sports side of things. So that's when I first fell in love with it. And then in high school, I realized that it's an actual there's an actual pathway to get there mm-hmm. because a lot of jobs you say how does that person get that job? And once I realized this is how you do it, I said why not try for it? Why not go for it? And I was very lucky in high school to have a great uh, broadcasting and journalism program where we actually had a TV studio in school and we produced a bunch of great shows and things like that and we actually had the opportunity to broadcast some games so I obviously volunteered I did it at what I look back at now as a super low almost pathetic level of broadcasting <laughs> but hey it's, it was something then and it sparked my interest I was able to do it at a young age where I didn't really there was no um, cons to doing it. If I didn't like it, I could just walk away with it and I didn't have to change my major or something when I'm a junior in high school. So I fell in love with it early. I was able to test it out, dip my foot in the water a little bit at an early age, and I fell in love with it. 
went for it, and here I am. Uh, throughout your time here with student media, is there any, like, moments that really stick out to you, like, looking back, like, that was a really cool experience? Yeah, I, I mentioned the uh, Atlantic City, the MAC tournament in New Jersey, and there's just something about that experience because, one, you're you're selected to go by the top people in the organization, which I was fortunate enough to be picked in 2020 and 2021. Obviously, 2020, we covered zero games because the tournament was canceled 20 minutes before the women's team tipped off for their first game. But going down to those tournaments, even with covering no games, it's just such an unreal experience. For five, six days, you're just covering sports. You don't have to worry about class. You, It's fully paid for. You just have to not get into any trouble, which is not any issue for any of the people that it gets selected to go because we're all great people. But it, it's such a great experience. You just dedicate your entire five days of your life to broadcasting games, covering games. And for any of us that want to do that, there's absolutely nothing better than that. Yeah, so you kind of mentioned it kind of always wanted to get into sports broadcasting. I think I know the answer to this, <laughs> but if there was like one sports broadcaster who you looked up to the most, like uh, tried to model as much as you could to yeah. it, who would, you, who would it be? Well, it, it's interesting. I know, I know who you're thinking. Yeah. It might not be the same answer, though. But, I mean, all the big guy, all big-time guys like the Joe Buck, who I think you're probably thinking yeah, I'm going to yeah, say, yeah, Jim Vance yeah. and Al Michaels, who we heard last night. But I, I, it's really hard for me to pick one guy because I... It, when I listen to them, you try to take a little bit of everything mm-hmm. from each one of them, whether it's Joe Buck's over the middle pass <laughs> caught or something like that, or Jim Nance's when he's announcing golf or something like that. He's a total poet behind the microphone, and he's the complete opposite of Joe Buck at times. So it, I, I can't give you a straight answer on one specific. I think Jim Nance is probably my favorite to listen to. He'll carry you through the game really, really great. Um, but I try to take a little bit of each one of them. And it's not just those three of them. It's the Dave O'Brien and the Red Sox play-by-play guys and uh, Matt Vaskirjian on ESPN and things like that. But there's a lot of different guys I look up to and emulate their uh, their styles. So I take a lot of all of those guys. And hopefully, if I can combine all of them, I become the best ever. But I, you know, it's very unlikely. But we'll see. <laughs> uh, so obviously, your time here in college is slowly winding down, yeah. coming towards the end. What's kind of the next step that you see after you graduate and after you move into the real world? Yeah, well, that's a great question. That's one that I ask myself probably every day. <laughs> it's, uh, we're at that point where I, I don't know where the, where the future is. It's I I could go the multimedia route where I'm kind of like an MMJ and covering almost like I'm beat reporting still for a variety of sports. That's the most common job out of college. Um being a play-by-play guy out of school is not very common. I will say mm-hmm. that. So, and it, the pay is low, very low. So, I don't know. I it's 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 really tough. I the real key is to diversify yourself well enough where you can find any avenue and not strictly strictly say, well, I'm a play-by-play announcer. I'm going to be a play-by-play announcer because you might not have that opportunity and it might not work for you financially or for whatever other reason. And if you don't want to be a MMJ, then then you're stuck being an MMJ. That's mm-hmm. not what you want to do. So if you could diversify yourself, which I believe I've done a good enough job over my three and a half years at this point of um, building up a resume and things like that where I could excel at a lot of different positions, which one that's going to be, however, which is what your question was, I cannot tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a longer-winded answer than what most might say. So we mentioned this in the intro. You're the chairman of QBSN. Mm-hmm. 
What kind of gravitated you to go towards a leadership position in the organiza- organization that you fell in love with right away, and what kind of comes along with the title? Yeah, so what I when I first... It, it, well, it's interesting. I, we'll, we'll start a year ago when I first talked with Will Fowler, who was the chairman at the time, and he offered it just like I've been doing it at meetings, saying, if you guys want to run, I'm out of here next year, so someone's got to do it. And I... Um, I was hesitant at first. I didn't really think that it was something I wanted. I thought there was people that were far better and more qualified to do it. Um, And so I almost held back from doing it, believe it or not. And I developed such a great relationship with Will over the two years prior that it really, not that he pushed me to do it, but I, I felt like I understood who he was well enough to say, you know, I think I could do that. I think him and I have a great relationship where I could do what he does and really take it to a new level and really be great with it. So I threw my name in the hat. I ran against one other guy, and it it ended up working out for me. And the title and the position has been awesome. It's exactly – I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, really, because I always tell people chairman is such a mysterious position. It's so behind the scenes that no one really knows what I do other than hear me talk at meetings on Wednesday nights sometimes. And – there's so much more that goes into it. There's so much of the financial stuff and so much organizing. I have to constantly be thinking about what I want the organization to be doing and what I want it to look like two weeks from now while also executing a day-by-day to get to that point. So it's, it's constantly managing, micromanaging at times and having a lot of faith in a lot of different people, the right people to make a lot of jobs happen. And um, I feel like we have a great team around us on eboard and things like that to help support the way I want to run the organization and how the organization's been going. So I think up to this point, I mean, you guys can tell me, but I think the organization's been tremendous so far. Yeah, I personally... Uh, You you hesitated. You hesitated. (laughs) There's too much of a hesitation. (laughs) That's not good. That's not good. No, I I guess I will answer your question real quick. I personally am more heavily involved than Cameron is in QBSN. You know, Mm -hmm. I've had opportunities to do the play-by-play and multimedia and writing, you name it. I've probably done it at this point Uh, and I do think it's been a great opportunity for me and it's a great opportunity I mean like on the probably the biggest game of Quinnipiac's uh, season so Quinnipiac men's hockey season so far I think if I'm not mistaken on the game sheet it says there's all freshmen and like or maybe a sophomore and junior doing that's true this stuff true. so i definitely think the organization's in a great spot to where you have people who are in art in art cameron in my grade where they're willing to step up right away and you know cover a game probably the biggest one the battle of whitney avenue so. yeah you're absolutely right it is all freshmen i think jack main is doing photography yeah. or something like that <laughs> uh but yeah, it is and i remember on the first meeting we had we took a survey and it said 67 percent of the room which was about probably 70 people in the room at mm-hmm. that meeting said that so whatever 67 percent of 70 is mm-hmm. um had never covered a game for qbsn in person and a majority of them were freshmen and if i'm years. not mistaken you you kind of predicted that it was I in did. the 67 to 68 yeah. range I, yeah. I i was nervous last year there was such a huge class that graduated and i didn't know what to expect so i knew that after we got that number, we really had to start from the bottom and work our way up. That's why I feel like we've benefited so much from the workshops that we do almost probably biweekly at this point. And I think we've done a great job at teaching so much what the QBSN brand should be and what we wanted it to be that um, we're comfortable and able to put four or five first years on a game and say, these are the best people for the job. There's, We're sorry, but this is 
we don't care if you're a senior. We don't care if you're a freshman or anyone in between. If you're the best person for the job, you're going to get the job. And that's what I told the e-board before the year even started. And I think we've done a great job at accomplishing that and getting people ready enough to be able to do it. Awesome. Uh, a couple minutes ago, you mentioned Will Fowler, who's yeah. working for ESPN now. Mm-hmm. Is that an organization that maybe you're looking towards in the future? Like, hey, maybe I could work there? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, there's no door that's not open at this point. I, I will apply when I go sit down on my laptop looking to apply. There's there's so many companies that are that are out there that are hiring. And he went down a route. He's more he likes the PA, the production assistant role. He's, he was a producer here for a couple of years. He really likes that. That's not something that I've really done before and not something I've really gravitated towards. So if I did find myself at ESPN, I think it would be a different role. But who knows? I mean, there's the opportunities open when Will Fowler and Banks are talking about how uh, much of a breeding ground ESPN is for Quinnipiac. It, it kind of makes you think, well, maybe I should just go for it and work at ESPN right out of school. It's it's hard to ignore the fact that it's such a real possibility. But I'm not. There's no door unopened, and uh, it's always a possibility. Yeah. So, what was you said? You've been so. You obviously you went in 2020 to the MAC Women's Basketball Champion, Men's and Women's Basketball Championships. You didn't get the opportunity to cover any of the games. Now, COVID is currently still going on. What it, What was it like then and now? What it was like to cover games during the global pandemic? Yeah. Well, the. <laughs> So like, so basically, what we're saying is like a year ago when we couldn't go in yeah, person, yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, when you're doing like ESPN yeah. Plus and oh, watching I hated that. that. That was I, I was. We were fortunate enough to have the opportunity to even get the option to cover games in person, which I didn't think was going to happen at all. The first um, fall of twenty, yeah, fall twenty twenty, we had no fall sports. They all got pushed to the spring. So it was the organization was completely not dissolved but it was just not in function we had magazines rolled out about almost nothing it was impossible to find any stories we couldn't contact the athletes over in q30 they were talking and we were debating and uh talking about professional sports they had people cutting highlights of the nfl games and things like that with no fans it just was not the same at all and once winter sports rolled around i was that's when i started as a basketball beat reporter and we would sit in the media suite, watch the game together, and then we would be sent the Zoom press conference or the ESPN broadcast and then just edit that. And that did not feel real at all. I didn't feel like I really learned anything about the real-world stuff. As far as broadcasting goes, the preparation for it is the same, but watching the game on with no volume, <laughs> you can't hear a whistle, you can't hear crowd noise, you're in your room, you hear your roommates in the kitchen... That, that's just not it. That is not <laughs> what you signed up for. And we got the reps, but it, we just, it just wasn't the same. And it's, it, it was kind of disappointing for a year of basketball and hockey and things like that to be taken away, even though we still had the opportunity to do it. It wasn't the same. But now, I mean, we're way back. We're back with some full arenas. We're back with uh, calling games with no masks and things like that. Like this is this is what we signed up for, and that you guys are lucky enough to come into it at the right time. I'm sure I know you guys. There's high school experiences were very rough at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's no doubt about that. Um, but you're very lucky to be able to have more than likely four full years of no interruptions, and yeah. we'll hope for that. Let, let's let's knock on wood to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll knock on wood for you. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll hope for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you're a pretty big basketball guy. That yep. seems to be your your main sport. What's kind of your outlook for the men's and women's teams here this season? Yeah, well, the men's team is slipping. 
They are slipping. They were the they were ranked uh, second in the polls, or not the polls, but in the max standings um, a week or so ago. And they were right under Iona. They competed with Iona in that game a couple weeks ago or late January. And at halftime, it was tied, and they are slipping badly. And they just lost to Manhattan yesterday. I don't have a whole lot of faith in this team. They were fifth going into yesterday. If they wanted to get a first-round bye in that for, in the MAC tournament, they need to be five-seed or better, which I don't think they're going to do because two of their next five games are at home, and they play top-seed uh, top teams above them like Monmouth, like Siena, and again, Iona, who's only lost once. So I don't have a lot of faith in this men's team right now. I think they're just, they just can't put it all together. They looked asleep yesterday when playing. They couldn't do what their strengths were against a team that's really just not good. Uh, Manhattan is 4-9. and nine. They're now 5-9. and nine. But that was a very disappointing um, game yesterday, and the season's not looking good for them. On the women's side, however, it's the complete opposite. They're, they started off a little slow. Um, they had a few injuries, but now they are really ramping up. And Michaela Morris right now is unreal. She has four double-doubles in a row. She's averaging a double-double in her last, I think, five or six games. So she is unreal. And, of course, Mackenzie DeWeese, who's probably going to win MAC Player of the Year again, is putting up better numbers than she did a year ago when she won it, obviously. And so they're they're clicking at the right time. Their confidence is there. They're winning, I don't know how many games it is in a row that they've won, but it's... I think it was the last six of seven, if yeah, I'm not that, mistaken. That's, that's yeah, that's accurate. I think that's true. So six of the last seven is an unreal stat, and they're clicking at the right time, and this is... A year ago, they lost as the two-seed in the MAC tournament in the first round, but I, I don't think this team is going to slip like they did a year ago. I think this team, it's the tournament to lose for them. They, there is there are teams better than them in the tournament, but it's they could beat anyone on any given day, and I, I like their chances quite a bit. Yeah, I've I've watched whether it's be covering or doing ESPN Plus camera operator, and they definitely looked like I wouldn't say a completely different team than they did at the beginning of the season, but they've definitely made strides to where they're playing their best basketball at the right time heading into the postseason. Yeah, and I think they're most healthy right now. They they got back. Um, C.T. Haywood the other day, which was big, and DeWeese went down with a knee injury for a day. It seems like one game, really. Mm-hmm. And now she's back, and she's healthy and playing great. She put up a couple double-digit points the last couple games after coming back. So not worried about her. Definitely not worried about Michaela Morris. Um, Rose Caverly is doing her job. She's doing pretty well. She passes the ball. People get on her about not um, scoring the ball, but mm-hmm. she can pass. And I think the assist that she gets... And the defense that she can play at times uh, goes is overshadowed. So I think she doesn't get enough credit with a lot of things. Uh, but yeah, this women's team is is dangerous, and they're heating up at the right time. So I just kind of spur of the moment question, but how far do you think if the women's team does win the MAC championship and make it to the tournament, how far do you think they could possibly go? I mean, well, that's a, short, a, good, a, that's a good question. Madness. Yeah, um, I that's pretty much where my basketball knowledge. Ends is when we get to the NCAA. <laughs> yeah, I am just like anyone else filling out an NCAA bracket. I uh, on either side, men's or women's. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they a couple years ago they went to the Sweet Sixteen. I you never know; these things could happen very, um, very sporadically. They could beat a great team or something like that and upset them completely. Who knows? No one has any idea. But uh, this team is really good, and if they could start getting consistent. Um, what's, what am I trying to say? They're, if they're trying to get consistent games from Morris and DeWeese, if they both put up double-doubles in some games, man, they're 
they're going to put up 80 points regularly, and that'll beat any team any mm-hmm. day. Uh, kind of moving back into the student media side of things a little mm-hmm. bit, how important do you think it is for students to be involved more than just their classes, like getting involved oh, with organizations? Huge. Massive. It's, it's funny because I'm in QNN right now, which is the journalism capstone, uh, which we make a weekly news show, and we all rotate different positions and things like that. Um, and I see there's about probably eight kids in my class of 15. Well, I'll say it's 10 of the 15 are student media people, all people you would know. And there's five that I've never seen before, <laughs> ever. And they claim they've been journalism majors for four years or three years or something like that. And I'm like, great. What's your experience? <laughs> like they've never done Q30, never QBSN, never Chronicle or uh, WQAQ. They've just done nothing. And they have to go out and get a reel if they want to, for whatever position, you want to be a producer or anything, audio even, you have to make a reel and say, this is me on audio for this game or something like that. They've got nothing. And it shows when we're in this class because the Q30 guys or the QBSN guys in that class, it's a breeze. You're doing the same things we do for Q30 every week. But when you haven't done it for four years or three years, it's rough. And you're in a really rough position because I think I think I told you this, Connor, when we met very early, maybe in uh, August or September, I said it's probably about 80-20. In 80%, you get out of student media in what you're supposed to learn here at school, student um, journalism-wise and broadcasting-wise. 20% is in the classroom, and that might be generous still. Mm-hmm. 20% might be too high. So it's 100%, <laughs> honestly, media. Like, I, you learn so little in the classroom. You learn ethics, and you learn the repetitions and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you're learning from just doing it a million times you're not going to have a class called play-by-play broadcasting you're not going to get to go to the men's hockey and basketball games to broadcast those things like you read and write that's what you do in class well here you have the option opportunity to write but you're hands-on from day one if you want to so there's zero reason why you should not join student media and it will pay off 100 percent, 100 times over yeah, so we've kind of been mentioning a lot about sports with you specifically, whether yep. it was basketball. I know you played baseball in high school yep. as well. So when you're not doing anything sports-related, what do you do? Because <laughs> Dean Roush came on last week and said that he noticed very quickly that sports reporters and, like, sports media people don't necessarily have a social life. But, like, as of now, <laughs> when they're being a college student, that what yeah. do you do right now? Like, as a uh, hobby. Yeah, so, I mean, I... <laughs> I was about to say something, but that actually had to do with sports, so (laughs) that doesn't really apply. Um, Man, so what do I like to do that doesn't involve sports in any way? Like, zero sports? I mean, like, yeah, if you you enjoy just watching it as a casual fan. Yeah, of course, of course. But then just, like, I noticed on your Twitter, your, like, uh, banner at the top, like, it's a picture of you fishing, like, any, like, little hobbies like that. I do love it. That's very observant. Very observant. Because I forgot I like to fish, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody asks you what you want to do, and everything just disappears, and it's, I like sports. That's it. Um, (laughs) It's a solid (laughs) go-to. Yeah. It's it's super basic. Yeah, I do like fishing. Uh, Of course, I can't do that right now, so I'm pretty much just... I love hanging out. I love my roommate situation is phenomenal. I love hanging out with them. We we do a lot of stuff. We play Wii all the time, to be honest with you. Like, Wii golf is, like, the best thing, but that was a sport. That was the first thing that came to my mind was Wii golf. But, I yeah, I love hanging out with roommates. I love fishing. I love golf, but I think that's a sport, so yeah. I can't say... I uh, I, I, I guess I was too I guess I was too specific it's with it, tough. but uh, 
No, I, I guess I was too specific <laughs> with it. I guess she says like a hobby when you're not like covering sports, doing sports media right. and stuff like that. So I guess I gave you a little too yeah, specific of a I, question. I, well, no, you didn't give me too specific of a question. I just don't have any hobbies that <laughs> are of any interest outside sports. So I, I'm, I guess I have uh, pigeonholed myself into mm-hmm. a sports lifestyle. Hey, aren't we all? I mean, yeah. you, Cameron and I, we cover sports all the time for the Chronicle and QVSN right. and Q30. So I guess it's all, we're all in the same boat in, in a sense. Yeah, Yeah. no, I, it's tough. I mean, I, I fish is the only answer I could say. <laughs> you know what? I don't even fish that often. That's the yeah. other part. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that's even a stretch. But mm-hmm. hey, it's something. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you have any more questions, Connor, but that's that's all I have. Yeah, I actually do have one more question that I wanted to get. Actually, I have two more. Excellent. Uh, so one was, what was the best piece of advice you ever got, you know, just about anything, whether it was about life, you know, sports in the classroom, wow. or, you know, just about anything, really? <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy. The best advice I've ever gotten. Man, I mean... As far as student media goes, it was, I mean, the basic one was to get involved and just follow everything and keep going and keep doing what you love. Um, God, there's been so much great advice that I've been given. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of a great one. Um, it's really just surround yourself with the right people. I mean, there's, it's really easy over the course of your time here to surround yourself with the wrong people. And you don't always realize that right away. You meet so many people over your time here, and it doesn't just end here. We've already met a bunch of people before college, but you meet so many different types of people, and just make sure you're putting your energy towards the right ones because you don't want to either be dragged down by the wrong people or be um, just spending your time with the wrong crowd. It's It sounds cliche until you've gone through it, but... It's really true. Just put your time and energy to the right people and everything else that you want to do with student me or anything in life will just escalate so much higher because you surround yourself and have the right energy around you. So whether I was told that or whether I just thought of that off the top of my head, that's the greatest <laughs> advice I could give. And uh, and it's 100% true. And I wish I knew that three years ago, mm-hmm. even though if I did, probably wouldn't have changed a lot of the decisions I've had and the things I've gone through, but it's, I think it's absolutely true. I, if you ever have the right energy and the right people around you, then you'll be escalated and lifted up that much higher. Yeah. So my final question kind of just leads in where we're going to talk to. Perfect. Who did you pick before the Super Bowl? The Rams or the Bengals? What I, had, you pick? I had the Bengals winning 34-31. 34-31. All right. Well, uh, you and I were both disappointed because <laughs> Cameron and Dean Roush picked the Rams last week. So, yep. uh, guess we're both lost so that kind of just leads into like what we were going to talk about right. what were your we'll get your initial thoughts on the super bowl and the game well it was finally a great game right how many mm-hmm. years has it been that we haven't had a great game and i guess i'm you could say it was a couple years ago with uh super bowl 52 eagles over the pats i'm a pats fan so that was not great even though it was a great <laughs> game not great in that sense um the year before though 51 28 to 3 that was yeah. a great game <laughs> but beside the point it was a great game, just mm-hmm. as a neutral football fan. And, I, <laughs> again, as a Patriots fan, it was weird because Brady's been in the last, like, eight Super Bowls, it feels like. I know that's not yeah, true. Yeah, I think but. it was, like, the last, like, eight Super Bowls or something like that. Either the 49ers, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, or Tom Brady right. weren't in there. Yeah, and Tom Brady makes up, like, five of those. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah I mean, okay. He was in 49, 51, 52, 53, and 55. 55. That's crazy. Yeah. 
So that's a huge number. Anyway, so I had no skin in the game in this one whatsoever for the first time mm-hmm. in a while. And it was great to just watch it as a fan <laughs> not have any stress. But it was a great game. It really was. All the games have been so good this postseason. And I felt like the Rams were definitely the better team. They were on paper going into the game the better team. I just thought the Bengals had a great story. But the game itself... There's so many injuries. There's not a whole lot of injuries typically in a Super Bowl that mm-hmm. I think both um, uh, Burrow really was surprising. I did not think they were going to throw the ball as much as they did when he first got his knee twisted up. I think that last two plays is what everyone's going to be talking about. The third and one running without Joe Mixon, questionable, probably would have thrown it or had some sort of a throwing play mm-hmm. on that third and one. And then resorted back to an all-or-nothing, not necessarily QB sneak, but just put your best running back. It's it's a Marshawn Lynch situation, Super Bowl 49. Put your best guy out there, run the ball, your quarterback's hurt. Why not run it on fourth and one, but throw it on third when you still have a down to play with. That's my thoughts on that. And then I don't love how the referees kind of made such a big impact on the Rams' final drive, there was f- probably four or five flags in Just a row. Just the final drive, yeah. yeah. I mean, they were inside the five or inside the ten, and they got the pass interference, which I don't think was pass interference. I think there was a slight hold, but in the Super Bowl, you got to make it pretty obvious. If he twisted them, yeah. it would have been pass interference. He did not. Even throughout the entire game, there were at five penalties on both teams total. And right. then was, literally in those last right. two minutes, yeah. it was like, oh, they finally decided started to use this yellow... They found it. Yeah, they found it. Oh, there it is. They they grabbed him at halftime or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I don't like when the referees get involved in the Super Bowl because you just want it to be the teams. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's where I stand right now. I I don't feel great about it because I wish the... I wish the Bengals had that opportunity. I hate the fact... I, I'm not an Aaron Donald fan, for whatever reason. So I hate the fact that he got that final play and took (laughs) Burrow out of it and... uh, the receiver didn't dive for the ball. I mean, we're, there's all these minute things. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you asked for my thoughts, so there they are. <laughs> yeah, I'll let Cameron do what we I mean, yeah, it was, it was a great game to watch. It was really enjoyable to watch. We knew that coming in that Aaron Donald was a game changer and that yeah. their D-line was going to make or break this game, and in the end, it, he did. Yeah, he, he, he had the game-clinching sack in the NFC Championship and the game-clinching one as well in the Super Bowl. It kind of just shows to how, how much of a game wrecker he is. You know, you said you weren't the... Greatest, biggest fan of him. I couldn't tell you why. But yeah, true. but I was looking at his resume, and like the only eight years that he's been in the league, he's been to every single Pro Bowl, his seven-time All-Pro first team, three Defensive Player of the Years in 2015, 2020, and 20, 2019, and 2020. And then, like, it, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we kind of fit knew coming in that the game in the trenches between the Rams D-line and the Bengals O-line was going to be talked about for a while with you know how good their front seven is and how poor i guess the Bengals' offensive line is it kind of just showed throughout the game because i remember seeing one stat joe burrow was i think at by the end of the game he was the most sacked quarterback in a super bowl like ever and it was crazy yeah, to think, i think it's yeah. tied tied for tied seven, for seven ever. yeah because the uh, last play with the donald wasn't an actual sack yeah. was it in yeah, yeah, yeah. i thought they were going to catch that and i yeah. stood up i thought i thought he was going to catch that ball yeah yeah i thought he if he 
dove. I yeah. mean, they, they really haven't shown the angle of how far away the ball was yeah. from the receiver. But From the back angle, it looked like it was literally at his toe yeah, he without even diving. Fall. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. I saw a meme on Instagram today, actually. It was like, imagine spending all this time on your body, spending millions of dollars just for you to not dive at a ball when, they, <laughs> when it mattered most. Yeah. Imagine that's what that. just happened. <laughs> we watched it. 100 million people watched it. Yeah. I think if Aaron Donald right, retired right now, I think he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I agree. I think so too. Like he said, like the Super Bowl was the, you know, the cherry on top is in t- sense of his career, and it was, you know, it was great to see him finally get one. I mean, I personally always liked him because he, you know, he went to college in Pittsburgh. He's a Pennsylvania guy, and. You know, it was good to see it happen, but at the same time, I did also pick the Bengals to win. Right. Just like, what's for exactly what you said, you know, the story, yeah. Joe Burrow, like going out last year, ACL, MCL injury, and coming back a year later, and hey, we're in the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's and the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. How yeah. far yeah. are they? Yeah, and it was crazy to think about, like, three years ago, if you were to tell me, yeah, Zach Taylor's a first-year coach, but in two years, he's going to be in the Super Bowl and almost win it, yeah. and one of their backup running backs isn't going to die for a ball and lose the game for them. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of wrote this in my notes as well. Like, Joe Burrow being a second-year quarterback with how cool and his, how poised he was, it's very rare that you see that in a second-year quarterback. And it kind of it's what we've kind of expected to him being a grad student when he was at LSU and now in the NFL as well. is one of those things where it was cool to see, and it kind of, I don't know, if I, if I was a young quarterback, I'd be like, oh, I want to be as poised as Joe Burrow. Like, yeah. it was a second year quarterback being able to say yeah i'm gonna go take my team who's wasn't even in the playoff conversation a year ago that hey we're gonna go win a super bowl and then almost do it so it's incredible and there's so many young guys now i mean i was watching the post game stuff on espn after the game and you think about all the guys that are so young that could all be just like him it's all seems like it's all in the afc too mahomes josh allen Burrow now, um, Lamar Jackson. That the Ravens kind of fell apart. I'm not sure really what happened with that team. <laughs> Nor do I care, to be honest with you. <laughs> I just be honest. I mean, but he's a great quarterback, Lamar Jackson. And so there's so many great players, all so young. And I know I'm forgetting probably three of them. If you you guys can call them out, but I mean, this the teams are so good, so much young talent, and uh, the NFL is. I mean, the playoffs, if we're going to see the same five teams for the next five, six years in the conference championships, yeah, so yeah. I feel like. I mean, you mentioned you forgot to mention your own quarterback in Mac Jones. And the yeah, Patriots. he's well, been playing well. He's great. Reason. He is great. Yeah. But I, I kind of forgot about him after we lost to the or we <laughs> after the Patriots lost to the Bills by, what, 75 points or something? Depressing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depressing, yeah. I remember watching his face during the entire game and he was yeah. like, oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, they scored again. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll be honest. I think I turned it off. It was probably 21 nothing. I was like, all right, this this just isn't going to get any better, so we're turning it off. I fell asleep during the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, you've made it farther <laughs> than I did by about three quarters. So. <laughs> I think one of the interesting, another interesting story about that Super Bowl was Matthew Stafford finally yeah. getting that his Super Bowl ring literally one year after losing to the well, not losing, but like being a part of the Lions organization for a whole career. Yeah, for his whole career, and then, you know, they were. You could tell, like you were saying at the beginning, um, how they were kind of just built to win. Like on paper, they were the better team, and 
he played extremely well. Even though he did throw two interceptions, I don't think they were completely his fault either. No, like it was kind of just agree. a bad, Especially batted the second ball. One. Yeah, oh, yeah, that second one. Yeah, was it was like, like a tip. Middle. He just kind of yeah. threw it over. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, like we talk about how good of a story the Bengals are, but like looking at this Rams roster, there's so many guys that you can be happy with that they've won a Super Bowl now. Like Stafford, uh, Andrew Whitworth, uh, OBJ. If you want to count him, there's a lot of guys <laughs> yeah. on that roster that you can just look at and they're like, like I'm happy that they finally won. Donald. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, like you, like everyone keeps mentioning, it's a great. They were the better team on paper, and it was even a better story with the when you actually take take a look at it. Even Cooper Cup winning the NFL MVP to where he came from yeah. to where he is now yeah. winning, it's incredible stories on both sides. So, kind of goes back to your original point. Like, hey, it was just a great game. Yeah. Whether it was the actual playing the football, the stories behind all the players and how they got there, it was overall a good game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You guys said everything I was going to say. It was there's a lot of guys on the Rams that I'm happy about, uh, like Matthew Stafford for sure. Um, but yeah, when you, when you, you know, I go all in on a game, I pick one team, and I say, <laughs> I want the Bengals to win. And then I'm all in on the Bengals. That's, that's, that's it. Yeah, so, just saying that as a Steelers fan, it's yeah. like, just yeah, like, I, I makes bet. you feel weird. That's like, yeah. that's like a Patriots fan going for like the Dolphins, Bills. <laughs> yeah. I want the Bills to win the Super Bowl. Do I? Yeah. Not it, really. Yeah. But, so I wanted, I did want to get your opinion on the halftime show. Okay. Did you like it? Was it a yay or nay? Controversy's been up in the air all yeah. over since it happened. I've heard a lot of both, and I, I've i never been a fan of any halftime show, to be honest with you. I'm very critical of the halftime show. I didn't really think it was great or bad. Like I, I did think it lacked the flair. I think it had the stars, but it lacked the big extravagant flair like we've seen in the past where it's you know, Katy Perry's big thing, which a lot of people think was great, and, of course, that was during Super Bowl Forty Nine, which I was stressed out of my mind and did not watch <laughs> the halftime show um also the lady gaga one apparently was great but that was when patriots were down about 21 nothing <laughs> so i also didn't watch that one but there was flair in those and this one had this just the stars with no flair so mm-hmm. I, that's my take on it i think it was it had a lot more potential but they used the the five stars i think it was that they had to say well we got these five people in the same stage at the same time this is pretty remarkable did it live up to the hype of past halftime shows? Absolutely not. But if you are a fan of those artists, then yes, it probably did. But the mm. f- the the, the flair and the extravagance of what a Super Bowl halftime show has been and what I expected it to be, I did not get that fulfillment. Yeah, it was. We were kind of talking about this during the game that, like, you know, they even had like the cars in the right. front of the what? stage. There like, was no drive the cars. Exactly. Yeah, drive we thought, the cars. yeah, we were thought they were going to like drive the cars. They were going to do something about that. And then, you know, they didn't even use it to, like, exit or, like, drive off <laughs> yeah. into the yeah. sunset in a way, like, as a normal Hollywood story would be being in right. L.A. Yep. And didn't get that. I mean, for me personally, I I enjoyed it, especially when Eminem came on and played Lose Yourself. Like, mm-hmm. it's a phenomenal it's song. great. Yeah. Awesome, awesome song. And I was expecting, like, Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford to be, like, listening to that and be like, I'm going to go out and throw, like, 1,000 yards and, like, 20 <laughs> touchdowns. Second half, half, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can remember, like, being in middle, in middle school and, like, listening to that song pregame for a basketball game. I'm like, yeah, you're all right, here we go. years old. Oh, yeah, fired just, up. just absolutely yeah. juiced on just, like, adrenaline. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. And I, I thought there was, they, the songs they did were awesome. I think the song selection was great. It, it just was them standing there 
singing. Do singing. It was yeah, just, yeah. Like, yeah. I I enjoyed day. it because I like the artists and I mm-hmm. like their music. But like like you said, there wasn't that flair that I wanted from it. Like I right. wanted it to be more of like a theatrical production, like where things were happening. Maybe they would have driven the cars. We were, we were yelling at the screen the entire halftime, <laughs> yeah. so hoping they would drive the cars. Yeah. And they didn't. I think that's where having one artist becomes great because you give that one person probably, what, 15, 20 minutes to do whatever they can. This time they had five people. That gives all of them probably four or five minutes to do what they want. So basically just like one song. Yeah, Yeah, sing your best song. Sing the song everyone wants you to hear. Mm -hmm. And the stage has to be set to make all five of your songs accommodatable, which just doesn't always work. And, like, even the commercials of the... Like, in the games, like, there wasn't ones where we were, like, I know for us, the most entertaining one was the barcode in the first yes. corner. That, like, <laughs> yeah. hit the corner. It, 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 the corner. I got that. I got it yeah. on video, and uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny. But, like, other than that, like, usually in the Super Bowl, they're spending, like, 6 to $10 million for a 30-second ad, yeah. and, like, Incredible. you would expect it to be entertaining. But, like, I remember there were many times where, like, it would go to commercial break, and I'd pull out my phone and, like, see what Twitter yeah. was saying and stuff like right. that it was. It wasn't, it wasn't the same as maybe when we were younger. Yeah, yeah, I and agree. I I did notice that there was a lot of like electric vehicles and like cryptocurrency commercials. Yeah, it's so it's it like was. it's, it's all pretty it much was. all it was. Yeah. Those, are the, those are the companies with the money. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. exactly it. So you see where everything's going now, and it's crypto and electric vehicles. Like apparently, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. No, I felt the same way about the commercials. There was it was slow, slow, not yeah. super exciting. In the first half for the game, actually, it was like super quick, and then like it felt like the second half was just like kept dragging yeah. on and on. And as much as it dragged on, I still feel like the game was really quick. Oh, no, yeah. 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 Like, for a Super Bowl to end at, like, 945, yeah. it's, like, freaking insane. And, yeah. we, and it was, and it did start early because, you know, it was on the West Coast, too. So right. it could, could have been part of it. But even the game, West Coast, it ended at, like, 7. Yeah, and it was, like, <laughs> like the, right, the entire what? night still ahead of you. you got to go to dinner now. <laughs> just watch the Super Bowl. Or you could be Van Jefferson, and then you could go to your kid's birth. Yeah, yeah. Right. Talk, like, about, yeah. talk about the best day of that guy's life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. literally will never get better. <laughs> no. Winning the insane. Super Bowl and then finding out your wife went into labor and making <laughs> yeah. him and grabbing his daughter and yeah. actually taking off his <laughs> Wife was at the game. Yeah, and left earlier, and then he left too. Like that's insane, yeah. unreal. I think the biggest question for me, like going forward here, is can Joe Burrow and the Bengals run it back? Can they yeah. have the same success? It's rare that I, I remember. You know, after the Super Bowl, the first thing everyone says is, "All right, who's the betting favorite to win next year?" And it's the Chiefs. Normally, it's the the team that just won. Just won. Yeah. But I think there's so much that's going to change with this. Uh, Rams team in the offseason that it's hard to say if they're going to be favorites to win. But can Joe Burrow do it again? They got to stack the offensive line. Yeah, yeah I think and they need to do the exact same thing that the Chiefs did last year. Yeah. And just like, you know, go to the draft and draft like one, two, maybe three offensive linemen in the yep. draft and, you know, really prioritize protecting Joe Burrow because, you know, now they've, ex- now they've shown how explosive they are and now they need to know. It's, you know, establish the run game because Joe Mixon's not getting any younger. No. I mean, it feels like he's been playing there for like ever at this time. point, and it feels like it's something that you know that needs to be addressed for the team specifically. Yeah, um, I, I look at the Bengals and see a lot of similarities with the Chiefs. Like they have a super young quarterback, but they're paying probably no money at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, right he, now. Yeah, he's on his rookie contract. Yeah. yeah, and they got a lot of rookies that are on rookie contracts, and eventually they're going to have to pay these guys, and that's probably not going to be possible with a Cincinnati. Uh, payroll or whatever yeah. that is mm-hmm. so i don't know they they got a very limited amount of time to be great and i think this was a huge year they got next year and maybe one more year after that i don't know what the contracts look like but 
if they're going to be successful and run it back, as you guys said, then they got to do it like next year. Super Bowl 57 or 58 is going to go to the Bengals, mm-hmm. if at all. Yeah, if they even do make it, right. yeah. Because although they did just make it this year, teams, are, other teams are getting better in the league too. Like they've right. had all this time to prepare and like rest their players up and really analyze and go deep into their roster and see what they need the most. Yeah, like the Bills are a team that I think is way more dangerous than a lot mm-hmm. of people think. And they're a team that easily could get to the get to the Super Bowl on the AFC side. And they're probably a team that could win it very easily. And they... <laughs> they follow the same mold that the Bengals do or the Rams do. They got a super young coach with a really young quarterback, and they're just winning games all the time. And they dominate the AFC East now, so they have no reason not to make deep runs in the playoffs for a long time. That's something I wanted to talk about in a minute is who you guys thought that was going to win the Super Bowl next year, yeah. way too early prediction, because the Bills are who I think is going to end up taking it's, it. I, I could say it very they easily. Were, they were one score away, in my opinion, from making the Super Bowl this year. I don't think... I think they have a much better defense than the Chiefs. I think they would have stopped the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I, I, I could see that very easily. I think it goes back to all the teams. The Chiefs, the Chiefs are not as good, though. I think they really slacked a little bit this year in a lot of the areas that they thought they were, they've been great in. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mahomes, is, they've kind of found out his Achilles heel. I don't know what it is, but they... <laughs> they uh, other people have. So, yeah, that's not my job. But um, other people have found out ways to stop him, and they're just not winning constantly anymore. So unless they can find a new recipe, then the Chiefs are definitely a human, a humanized team. And I, I really like the Bills. I think the Bills are a great team. Um, the Patriots have a long way to go, as great as they are. They're a very wild card-like team. They're just going to get there and stay there for a few years to go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Bills, I think, are the easy pick for me. Yeah, I would say I would say either, like, the Bills or the Bengals maybe to go back, but it's, it's definitely leaning more towards the Bills than any team else. And they've shown, I think, the most consistency as well, whether it be on the offensive side, defensive side, coaching, 1 through 53, whatever it may be, but I can definitely see the Bills making a realistic run. And, you know, with this new format, with the 17 playoffs, they're, they're the only team that's getting the bye with um, being the one seed. And it's definitely something that I could see happening, but also in the same time, anything's possible because any team could be any any other team on any given day. I mean, we saw it with the with the Jets beating the Bengals like midseason. <laughs> and I have the three Jets, Jets fans that I know go up to me and are like, yeah, the Jets are the best team in the NFL because, you know, they beat the Bengals and the Bengals are in the Super Bowl by the transitive property. Uh, you know, just giving all those yep. crazy scenarios and lines like that. So, Let's, well, hear, you, let's hear you go out of the box. Let's pick somebody other than the Bills. Yeah, <laughs> pick somebody, yeah, pick somebody out of the box. You heard it here first. The Bills are unanimously going to win. According to Overledge on 98.1 W2AQ, the Bills will be winning the Super Bowl. It's confirmed. It's confirmed at this point, yeah. But I don't know. I think, like... In a way, I think Tennessee might be the dark horse. That's another that, team we have but not talked they, about. They, yeah. they were also the one seed last year. And, you know, none of their players are on contract years. Maybe maybe Derrick Henry is. I don't know off the top of my head. But Tennessee won, was the one seed this past offseason, this postseason, excuse me. You know, Coach Vrabel won the Coach of the Year this year. And they're only getting... In my eyes, most teams are only getting better unless, of course, you know, contracts happen, free agency trades, whatever it may be. But I think either 
Tennessee, Buffalo, uh, out of the box. Tennessee, <laughs> or I would say, you know, pick, the Chiefs are always the in the league. Pick the Jags. I, I'm not going to. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not that silly. I'm not uh, that courageous. I guess I'm not that brave to pick Doug Peterson as his first year. Hey, would any of Nobody a year ago would have said the Bengals are going to be the Exactly, yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Someone's Anything do it. could happen. Yeah, yeah. Someone's the Bengals, do it. The Bengals did have a lot more pieces than the Jaguars, but <laughs> a year I, I guess you're from, right. A year, yeah. a year from today, we could be talking about how Trevor Lawrence took the Jaguars to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I will come back onto this show. Wherever I'm at, I will come back and say, here we are. The Jaguars <laughs> are Super Bowl champions. I'll, I'll pencil you in for February 13th, 2023. Right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be right back here. No matter, I'll fly over here if I need to. I'm, I'm, we're making that happen. All right. So that's all the time we have for today's show. We appreciate you, Ross, coming in. Yep. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Over the Ledge, WQAQ, and on his. Is it 981? Yeah. I don't even... WQIQ uh, wouldn't fit on Twitter, so it's Over the Ledge 981. 981. My gosh, even I, I don't even know the social <laughs> media anymore. Over the Ledge WQAQ on Instagram. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and give it a listen to. Yeah, we hopefully this will be uh, this episode will finally be up on uh, Spotify this coming Thursday. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get the uh, Dean Roush interview as well from last week's we'll, on we'll Spotify. Fit it in. We'll fit it in sometime in the next couple weeks. Yeah, so yeah, we'll fit it in there for sure. Enough. Yeah, but Ross, we appreciate you again coming thank on. Thank you guys. One last yep. thing you wanted to say to anyone listening, but uh, all I can say is thank you guys for listening and thank you guys for having me on. All right, and oh, next up we will have the Mac and Main show coming up. Jack Main and Eric Kerr will be on over the airwaves, and we will see you in about ten minutes. If Pyros and Crips all got along, they probably got me down by the end of the song. Seem like the whole city go against me Every time I'm in the street, I hear Yak, 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 yak Man down, where you from? Who you know, where you from? Where your grandma?